0: Here's a few exciting scenes from tonight's episode of The Tom Gully Show. Okay, so you're an expert on Betty Page.
1: Yeah, I guess.
0: And. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the fact that there, there are a few people who are experts on Betty Page. I'm the person that reintroduced Betty Page to the public. Well, and, and I, that is where I stand alone. And you know what's cool is like. Some woman will see a woman wearing black bangs and think, wow, that's a good look. I should do that for myself. And not even know who Betty Page is. Betty Page and Me by Buck Henry. Buck Henry? <laughs> Say, what? I read the thing. I'm like, why didn't anybody ever ask me about Betty Page? I had all of the answers all along. Like, what? Almost nobody had researched this period of sexuality in America in the 1950s. And almost nobody.
0: Well, and that's another thing about Betty, you know, and her seclusion. You always saw her, but you never heard her voice.
1: Well, how could you?
0: Exactly. She was
1: a pinup up model.
0: That, I even mean, in the few films that she was in, she did not speak. She was just dancing on stage. She had
1: a very thick southern accent, which she refused to ditch. Mm-hmm. and, and I kept her from a lot of Broadway roles. And I talked to her about this. I said, you know, like, what's the deal? Why didn't you ever excel it on Broadway? She says, oh, Greg, you know, I just didn't go to the auditions. About a minute later, the Venetian blinds open, and I see a pair of blue eyes. And that's as close as I ever got to Betty Page. What you want is down the alley.
2: Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised.
1: It's time, America. Mr. and Mr. North of South America and
2: all the ships at sea, let's go to press. So sit back, buckle in, place your tray table in its upright lock position, and get ready for big-time radio, friends. It's time for...
1: And it's time to
3: the the truth
0: Good evening, it is Monday, November 10th, 2014 episode 227. I'm Tom Gully and tonight on the Tom Gully show. Even if you don't know who Betty Page is, you have seen her. Because Betty Page's iconic look has been adopted by almost every single facet of popular culture. She was the queen of the pinup era. And then she went into total seclusion, disappearing in the late 1950s. In 1987, Greg Theakston brought Betty back into the public eye with his publication, The Betty Pages. He's just finished writing his second book on Betty. And tonight, Greg will tell us about Betty's life what she was like after coming out of seclusion, and her thoughts on being a cultural icon after being hidden from the spotlight for so many years. We'll learn all about pinup legend and icon Betty Page with expert Greg Theakston tonight on the Tom Gully Show.
2: You're listening to The Tom Gully Show.
1: You'll find our snack bar chock full of good things to eat and drink. Tasty, tempting hot dogs, thirst-quenching soft drinks, fresh, crunchy
2: popcorn. You've plenty of time, so visit the snack bar now. Just send an email
0: to tom at com. Okay, so you're an expert on Betty Page. Yeah, I guess. And
1: it's not the fact that there there are a few people who are experts on Betty Page. I'm the person that reintroduced Betty Page to the public.
0: Well, and And that is where
1: I stand alone.
0: I think that we're going to get to that. Uh, I was going to just run through who she is and who she was to, to folks and, and use you as kind of the guide. I mean, she had, I think, What we would say would be not a rough childhood, but not an easy childhood, a lot of moving around. But she was a good student, from all accounts, and uh, actually went to college, graduated from college.
1: Why do you say actually?
0: Well, I think that most people, when they would think She almost
1: graduated at the top of her class. Wouldn't you think that she was going to go to college?
0: uh, Not back then, necessarily, being a lay-day you know that was back during the time when you could graduate the top of your class in college, and you were still going to be a secretary or a school teacher.
1: you wanted to be a school teacher.
0: Well, so get into some of this this growing up stuff because you have insight on that. I I kind of glossed over it all. Uh,
1: well, yeah, all right. Uh, you know, born in twenty two, so that puts her early childhood smack dab in the middle of the Depression, the Great Depression. Not to mention, you know, Tennessee on a farm. Like, they have any money anyway. Right. Father molested her. And by that, I mean raped her. Apparently, uh, Ben Betty suspected that uh, that he'd raped Goldie, too, but they'd never discussed it.
0: Goldie being... Her sister. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: So she goes.
0: To, um, she goes to high school. She does extremely well. I'm not done with my next story. Oh, yet. I'm. I'm sorry. Sorry.
1: <laughs> Roy, her father, knocked up the 15 year old girl who lived next door.
0: This is a Tennessee story, isn't it?
1: Ah, uh, well, I'm going to have to ask Mr. Williams about that. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of backwoods.
0: Well, and that's another thing about Betty, you know, and her seclusion. You always saw her, but you never heard her voice.
1: Well, how could you?
0: Exactly. She was
1: a pinup model.
0: That, even in the few films that she was in, she did not speak. She was just dancing on stage. She had a very
1: thick southern accent, which she refused to ditch hmm And, and I kept her from a lot of Broadway roles. And I talked to her about this. I said, you know, like, what's the deal? Why didn't you ever excel it on Broadway? She says, oh, Greg, you know, I just didn't go to the auditions. Which sounds like so many wannabe actors that I knew in New York City. Oh, yeah, man, but they're cattle calls, you know. Oh, it's so disheartening. To have 90 people show up, and then you have to compete against 90 people. Well, I guess you're not going to be in this show, huh?
3: Well, no,
0: it's the same for doing voice work or anything else. The people that succeed are the ones that go to every single audition, every single cattle call.
1: And And you know what the cool thing is? Even if you don't get it the first five or six times, now they know you by name. And they're thinking about you. Sure. I mean, that was my whole premise when I did paperback covers. I was like, okay, he doesn't want me now, but I'm going to work here. And so every time I got a new proof, I'd mail it to him. And he knew who I was. Next time I walked in the door,
3: plus said, I think
1: you're ready. I actually had a couple of art directors say, "I think you're ready."
0: Well, it's how you get good. You know, you you keep auditioning. Basically, it it makes you push yourself. You know, even. Uh
1: well, you know, actors. a lot of artists don't understand that it's not just doing art. It's doing art and selling yourself doing art. Selling. And man, it. I saw so many terrific artists fail in New York City because they didn't know how to sell themselves.
0: Well, and, and they didn't know probably how to create something that somebody wanted to buy. In other words, uh, take your art. No
1: no, 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 no. They were so much better than I was. I just knew how to get out there and kick the cactus or whatever. some metaphor.
0: Well so Betty nah. Betty is uh is. in high school. She's doing well. She goes to a college, I guess, that's now attached to Vanderbilt in some regard. Everybody.
1: Yeah. And yeah, now- man, she was just on fire in high school. Everywhere. She worked on the newspaper, she was in the drama club, she started in the drama shows and I mean you look at her, you know. It's like, wow, that's, on top of being, you know, an all-A student, you do all of this other stuff on top of that? How do you, where do you? Because she wanted to stay away from home, okay? (laughs) And so school was a place where she could be loved and appreciated. So she spent all of her time at school. Hey, listen, I'm writing my final Betty Page book.
3: Uh Uh-huh.
1: And it, it, there hasn't been a new Betty Page book in, uh, I think, twenty years.
0: Well, you know, I checked in to some of, and we'll get to the Betty Pages, which is the magazine you founded that really kept her in the spotlight, or at least rejuvenated her. her in the spotlight. Put her in the spotlight. Uh, you know, in the yeah. in the in the cultural sense. Um, mm. They are selling. I'm um, one of the annuals. The first annual is selling for yeah. like, I don't know, it's almost $200. And the first issue, the uh, oh, yeah. that sort of yellow, the fall of uh, what was yeah, it, 87? Yeah, yeah. That one's selling for $150 on eBay.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, so you know, some some
1: uh, a print that, I don't know. I print. I printed that. Talk about at home, do it yourself. Yeah, in my fucking basement, with my fucking press and my fucking camera and my fucking plate burner. I printed that myself. Yeah. Mhm.
0: Well. Uh, Talk
1: about one man band. Really, Greg, you're just so overachieving here. Get a proofreader.
0: So she starts to go into modeling. Is that you know just because high school's over, college is mm-hmm. over? I don't want to go.
1: You're jumping way ahead. Uh
0: Well you were you got into your fucking printer and so I I was just trying to get us back onto Betty. All
1: right, back on point. Uh, right all right, uh
0: what do you smoke by the way?
1: Well, uh marijuana, ideally. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> what what brand of cigarette do you smoke?
1: Ultralights. Hey, you know what? I'm sixty. I didn't start smoking until twelve years ago.
0: I didn't start till about three months ago.
1: Welcome to the ranks of the living dead.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, it's uh, it's a thing. It's a thing. So so she's in college. What makes her go modeling? Oh,
1: no, she's in, in um, she's in college, and her high school boyfriend induces her. To marry him, Billy was, Neal.
0: Wasn't he going he was like off to the to service Billy. or something?
1: But yeah, it's fucking World War Two. Would you? You crazy? High school, World War Two equals get your head shot off.
0: <laughs> so you spoke to this guy?
1: Mm-hmm. What a lunk! What a wonkhead. <laughs> really? How could the smartest girl in the school end up with this reprobate?
0: Was it just that thing, you know, at that time that, that was just what you did? You got married? It was just something you did? And no, he- she didn't want to. Huh. Well, that- no,
1: he, like, scraped all the money he had together and says, let's go to uh, however far this money will take us and back. And so they get to this small town. I can't even remember the name. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like Back to the Future small town. So they have a little lunch, and uh, Billy says, let's go and see what the courthouse looks like. So they go to the courthouse. Oh, wait a minute. Let me back up. He says, you know, I don't feel so hot. I think I need a blood test.
3: Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) The smartest girl in the school. Like, well, all right, let's just have a blood test out in the middle of nowhere. So he gets his blood taken and have a blood test. And Billy says to Betty, "Well, since we're here, why don't you get a blood test too?" <laughs> he, he's setting her up to marry her. What an she operator! She did not even know it.
0: What an operator! <laughs> <laughs> blood test so for everybody.
1: The <laughs> and then he says, "Well, let's, you know, let's go over to the uh, c- the courthouse." <laughs> it's like a donkey with a carrot. <laughs>
0: so the next thing so she, she knows she... <laughs>
1: next thing she knows she's married so they're taking the bus back home and she tells me oh I knew instantly it was the biggest mistake of my life I didn't want to be married I, I didn't want to be married <laughs> and, and so uh, he gets drafted uh, uh, Benny goes to college Peabody I think it was Peabody she, You know, she missed the the really big uh, prize by like a quarter of a point or something because she missed a test because she was doing some extracurricular activity. Valedictorian, is that what they call it?
0: Yeah, that's the top student.
1: Yeah, well, that's not what she was. <laughs> God, that pissed her off for the rest of her life.
0: Yeah, so...
1: Well, so- it changed her life.
0: Well, yeah.
1: She she couldn't get to go to the college that she wanted to go to. I think she had to go to Peabody, like $150. But that's a lot of money in 1940-something.
0: Right, right. Well, now, did uh, was she able to find work and things after that, or what led her to actually going and modeling?
1: Man, you just keep running ahead of my story. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so... So Billy gets drafted, duh, and has to go to San Francisco for training. I'm not really sure about that, but that's where he was uh, departing from. So uh, Goldie was living in San Francisco. So Betty and Billy uh, moved in with Goldie until his deployment. And she got pregnant. Okay, these are these stories. Okay, I'm gonna start telling stories well, I'm going to start telling stories
0: now. Uh, go right ahead. That's, that's what, that's what uh, we're looking I, uh, for. Uh,
1: you know, Clarence wouldn't like it, but I uh. <laughs> <laughs> we had a do whole show where we just do impressions.
0: <laughs> I, I I've done shows like that. In fact, we've had guests. Really? We've had fake guests on that had done just a, <laughs> a character the whole the whole show.
1: Yeah. And hold character. Excellent. Yep. So, he's deployed. And she's pregnant. I don't think she'd be... I, I don't know. I might have it on tape somewhere. I don't think she even told him that she got pregnant. So, here she is. Lunkhead husband. <laughs> other side of the continent from her family. I think she was a, uh, a secretary in San Francisco. And a baby. Now she's tied for life. Okay, if the guy got his head shot off, then she's in school. But now, here's, a, here's another problem I'm carrying his child. So, uh, these the stories have been told to me. In a very, and I mean, they're sensitive stories, so why not? But in a very uh, vague manner. Yeah. Betty met this black guy in San Francisco. This black guy. Okay, that's it? There's no way to track this guy down if he's still alive? Right. This black guy. So sometimes, you know, it's like, I don't know, you're not going to, in your mind, fill in the parts. Was it a guy that lived in a building? And, you know, I was, she, she didn't actually say that she was a racist when she was younger, but she didn't like black people. Uh, and then she went to the Caribbean uh, as a uh, secretary and got to meet all of these wonderful black people. And uh, all of a sudden, Kaching, her racism is now gone. So I don't know. So she meets this black guy. And, uh, I don't know. Apparently, uh, she didn't drink. But then, tale of woe. My husband's off to war. I'm going to have his baby. Uh, I don't love him. Uh hey, get yourself an abortion. <laughs> <laughs>
3: like,
0: like, she was. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know anybody that does that. Do it yourself. And she explained to her how to do a self-induced abortion.
3: Uh, wow.
0: It sounds like <laughs> she, was, she was dating one of the characters from Amos and Andy. Do it yourself. I said, do, do, do it yourself.
1: Do it yourself. <laughs> what do you mean? Pay something nigga to Tell you, pussy with a. What is a Coat hanger? Let me, I'm writing this down. <laughs> coat hanger. Yeah. So he explains to her how to do a self-induced abortion. And how does a motherfucker even know?
3: Well,
0: he's obviously <laughs> had experience or heard tell.
3: <laughs>
1: well, anyway, it worked. Okay. Of a, a very, I won't call it a pleasant self-induced abortion, but one that worked, you know. Uh huh. And he uh, so he comes back, and uh, he's like, ninety-eight pounds. So they move back to uh, Memphis. Memphis, yeah. Anyways, Memphis. Look, you know, I'm, I'm gonna have to review my notes. Uh, and uh y- 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 I don't know, broke up. It's just it's just didn't want to be married to this guy anymore. He was a lunkhead. Yeah. Talked to a guy for like an hour and a half. And it's like, okay, stupid apparently is permanent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can't be a lunkhead and be married to Betty Pate. It's just...
1: hey, you know, oh, well, all right, well, well, I don't know how much time we've got. As long, anyway,
0: as, long as you want.
1: Anyway, um, she moves to New York uh, and uh, secretary at uh, 30 Rock. You're working at work in Rockefeller Center. Yeah, I well, was working at uh, Rockefeller Center. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That's just a, well, it wasn't that Jimmy Stewart line. He didn't have to do it that way. <laughs> How was your, yeah, Rockefeller Center,
0: yeah. Yeah, <laughs> oh, better Page, yeah.
1: That you know, a nature lover. <laughs> so she's out on Jones Beach. Hey, listen, Jones Beach,
3: That's,
1: it's Long Island. That's like a 45 hour long trip to sit on sand. <laughs> well, all right, whatever. So she's on Jones Beach. And this, she's watching this black guy do his calisthenics. And listen, a black guy on Jones Beach back then, (laughs) you better be a lifeguard, okay?
3: (laughs) We don't allow black people in Long Island. The Jews, all
1: the Jews, come to Long Island. (laughs) Black people, stay away. So she's, you know, and she's, you yeah, interested. Oh, she's interested. <laughs> Cal- calisthenics. <laughs> <laughs> so she's watching him do his routine. So they you know, strike up a conversation. Turns out this guy is a cop. He's a New York City cop. Oh, man, I'm drawing a blank on his name. There's only one known in existing. Oh, and I got to talk to his son. Woo-hoo. Boy, there's a back story there. Uh Cass, you know, Cascock was the, uh, anyway, he, he says, I'm a photographer. And she says, oh, I'd, I'd love to model for you. And so uh, I end up in his uh, Harlem uh, studio, and he does a bunch of shots. And apparently he's always, already been published in you know, some uh, Harlem Gazette or something. And he starts selling photos of Betty Page. And people begin seeing them. And all of a sudden, everybody, everybody, wants to photograph Betty Page. So that was where it started. Jones Beach, some guy, black cop, doing calisthenics. I cast car. Oh, okay, cast car. Oh, so, all right, then. Here's the next link in the chain. Uh, The cop introduces her to Cass Carr. the uh, Concord Camera Club. Camera Club. So uh, that's a thing where you pay 20 bucks and the establishment buys the models. And you can come in and photograph models for an hour for 20 bucks. Point being, you're nude. You photograph a nude woman, (laughs) and nude in
0: 1952.
1: Oh yeah. Hey look, yeah. Hey look, pubic hair. Okay, it's not airbrushed out. (laughs) Look, (laughs) pubes. And Betty once told me, you would know. The guys who were there to see naked women, you can tell the difference. Because the guys that were there just to see naked women never changed their film. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, click, click, pull, click, pull. Aren't you going to change your film? Oh, there's no film of the camera. <laughs> I just want to stand here and look at you naked.
0: <laughs> so how did she get those bangs?
1: Oh, uh, the cop. I bet he had a very high forehead. And uh god damn it, I wish I could remember his name. If I had two hundred bucks I could buy the first annual and look it up. <laughs> uh, it, it does. Anyway, mean. listen, yeah. I'm not you'll, getting paid for this. You'll yeah. think of it. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, he, he convinced her to uh cut her hair and dangs and it was a fashion that was popular around 1948, so I think by 4052, it was not completely out of vogue, but kind of. But she had a high forehead. I've got pictures of her without bangs. Like, whoa, Frankenstein! Okay, <laughs>
3: that's not
0: a forehead. <laughs> well, that that's a
1: nice thing to say about Betty Page. Then, was
0: that's not a forehead? That's a five head. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Let's play handball. Yeah.
1: So Concord. Yeah, uh, they would do uh oh man, who's working all the time. And then wait a wait, minute. Wait, wait, we're missing a key piece here. Uh Wink okay, so okay, Scatterbangs. Wink, flirt, beauty parade, and um uh, I forget. Anyway, uh, Robert Harrison, uh publisher, had this line of uh, the earliest men's magazines, best way I could put it.
0: Pin up magazines. Uh, and basically, pin up magazines.
1: Well, no, not actually. Um, it's this first step toward pin up magazines. It was. Uh, all four books were like a burlesque show, you know, like two- and four-page comedy routines. And then you get a full page of, a, you know, a woman and no nipples. No, no, it's, they're all beautifully costumed. And comedy routines, it was like a vaudeville show, the last of the burlesque. Burlesque on paper.
0: Almost like they took a a burlesque routine and shot it with cameras and turned it into a comic strip.
1: Yeah, a whole burlesque show. Yeah. You know, it's like 64 pages, a whole burlesque show. So that was the first step toward uh, the men's magazines. And then you had, uh, oh boy. Men's World, okay, and edited by, and they took him to court because he showed nipples, and it was a really, really cool. It was a step before Playboy. I don't, I'm not sure it's Men's World. Anyway, yeah, it would open up with a, a feature on cars, and then there'd be like you know, a pinup model, and then there'd be some. Uh, spotlight on an artist no it was it was the uh precursor to playboy and the guy went to jail for it
0: well you shouldn't have to go to jail for nipples i'm against that
1: yeah anyway point being uh this transitional period where uh you know what uh, Hefner said in the early issues? I made a point of if she was topless, only showing one nipple. <laughs> well, I guess that's half the offense.
3: Yeah.
0: Hey, now the the name Betty. I see it spelled with a Y, and I see it spelled with an I E. What's up with that?
1: All right. Uh, I dug up her birth certificate.
0: <laughs> it's got a Y on it.
1: Yes, it does. <laughs> her name is Betty, B E T G Y. But Goldie spelled her name G O L D I E. And Jimmy, her brother, spelled his name G I M M I E. So she thought, well, B E T G I E.
0: I got gotcha. you. Some of the legally.
1: Legally, she is B-E-T-T-Y, Page. So fuck you all. I'm not wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when did she start working with Irving Claw? Uh,
1: I, Irving Claw, I believe, was tipped off by somebody from the Concord Camera Club. No, no. He saw, you were in the Harrison Magazines. She's a big movie fan. I don't quite remember how they got together, but you know it was like, oh, you know, let me give you a, let me give you a kind of a, a portrait. next door to the Jefferson Theater, Fourteenth Street, which is one of the more busy crosstown streets. Uh huh. Jefferson Theater, man, you know. Been there forever. Gone with the wind. I can just imagine strolling up here. at like 39. Gone with the wind. And to its immediate right was a uh, you know, typical building. And Irving Claw is on the second floor. And a really nice lettering on the windows. Movie Star News. Oh, yeah. And so,
0: what? Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say uh, the the photo, the the sort of the bondage stuff or whatever that she did with Irving Claw, and really everything that she did, uh, it was just kind of innocent. It didn't. It wasn't. Uh, I don't know. There was just an element of did she really know what what she was doing?
1: Oh, yeah? And she knew what the men were going to do with them. (laughs) Yeah, I knew. I don't care.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Even the little dances and stuff that she did that were supposed to be Uh, so hot and stuff, it was like, are you kidding me? I mean, you know. uh,
1: The idea that Betty Page is alone with you in your basement, okay? (laughs) If that doesn't get you off... I don't know what will.
0: Well, the two movies, uh, it was Teaserama, Stripperama, The Tempest Storm, all that stuff. Uh, yeah,
3: I don't
1: know, a lot of 16mm um, and 8mm shorts tried for clock.
3: Oh, and yeah, they're tons. they're horrible. Yeah.
1: They're horrible. And you know what? She said, there was no music playing. I just had to make it up in my head.
3: <laughs> like, turn
1: the fucking radio on.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's some pictures that were taken of her. I think Bunny Yeager took them down in Florida uh, yeah, that, would be right. that that are my favorite of hers for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's a later in her oh, career. Well, well, or well,
1: well, why. Well, well, why are they your, your favorites?
0: <laughs> I don't know. It could be the costuming. It could be just because the photographer was good. I don't know. I just Maybe it's just Florida. Who knows?
1: I, so are you going to tell me exactly what these pictures are? are you going to be hanging.
0: No, I'm just... I don't know that I have a... J- That's ex- in Florida. An exact... Uh,
1: oh, are you kidding? Jungle Land.
0: They're, yeah, they're the ones... Yeah, she's. Oh, are you in a- kidding?
1: Jungle Land. She's feeding a fucking ostrich. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Holding a monkey. Sitting with cheetahs.
0: That's not all she's doing, but yeah, it's part of it. Sure.
1: <laughs> no, uh, really. Probably the... And she said... She said... uh I sold that costume myself, <laughs> you know, by the time I got to her, she was in her like 70s, late 70s, uh-huh. and and she still wouldn't get rid of her southern accent, so I said, I remember, I remember very well, uh, I, I was at my sewing machine, <laughs> putting that costume together, last minute, right? Uh-huh. Hell, yeah, like a Saturday night, and I had to shoot on a Sunday. Yeah? And I looked, and I looked, and this black man was trying to break into my apartment.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs>
1: so he says, I sat up all night, I left the lights on all night, and I sat up all night. I hadn't had any sleep. The best fucking photo shoot of her life. <laughs> Almost raped. But look at her.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, and she became, you know, quite the in demand pin up model or you know, whatever you want to call it, the model in general in, in all of these kind of cheesecake magazines, right?
1: You was so good.
0: She had a, just, she beamed. She kind of glowed, you know. uh, You know
1: what she said? She said, I look at the camera the way I look at my boyfriend.
0: Uh Uh-huh. So, at the height of her popularity, she goes into seclusion. I mean,
3: for... I would,
1: um, height, yeah, okay. But she knew. She was 33 when she got out. And she knew her modeling days. We're pretty much over.
0: Well, uh, yeah. she was in seclusion for, what, 30, 40 years. Yeah. And you, when did you first become aware of Betty Page to any degree whatsoever?
1: <laughs> this is what we call a good story. Awesome. <laughs> All right.
0: I'll I'll light up a, a, a new smoke neighbor. for this. This
1: is awesome. My, my next-door neighbor, Murphy Boson. Boson. Is that Irish or is that Danish? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Murphy Boson. It's both. <laughs> Calls me up. It's like March. Middle of March. 1960. One. Two. Just gotta get over there. get over here right away! Like no, no, no! Like, okay, I've never heard Murphy so urgent. <laughs> what did, you, what did you just discover, bourbon? It's <laughs> like get over there, and I, I didn't even put my coat on. It was really short, you know. Ten steps door to door. Yeah. Just, come on, come on, come on! And we go back into his father was a uh, violinist. First violinist with the uh, Detroit Symphony Orchestra. And uh, so he had a little music study in the back. It was really great, man. It was a bookcase, wall-to-wall with a piano. Whew. And <laughs> he drops to his knees in front of the bookcase. It's blonde. It's, it's a blonde wood. The whole thing's blonde wood. It's beautiful, man. I'm fucking incredible. I mean, we we teach back there. To supplement his supplement is
0: violin. Yes, it's violining.
1: Yeah. yeah, he looks at me like we're both on our knees now. I opened the drawer that must never be opened.
3: <laughs> this a drawer in your house that actually has that name?
0: Uh, it's like his, <laughs> this kid was living in Game of Thrones before his time. <laughs> I don't know. The drawer but that must I not be opened. I've never
1: lived in a house that had a drawer that must never be opened. <laughs> <laughs> so he opens it. It's full of skin mags. I mean, swear to God, a foot of them.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, you never, when you when you stumble across an older dude's stash of of skin mags, it's never one. It's, oh, all, it's, it's always a foot deep, you know? Yeah. Back in the day, that was that was porn, you know, unless you were ballsy enough to have, uh, you know, film.
1: Okay, yeah, there's, a, okay, you got two ways to go on this. There's still burlesque shows, so you can spend 25 cents and go see a burlesque show. Or you can spend 25 cents on a magazine that has take-home value.
0: Well, and somebody might see you coming in or out of the burlesque house
1: actually all my friends and I congregate there. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know who you are. We will not even acknowledge each other. And how fucked up is that?
3: <laughs> you know? The first thing I want to do is
1: find her next to this guy and say, what I miss? <laughs> what did her name? Sexuality in his 50s was fucked. <laughs>
0: So she goes into seclusion and and, back up, back and, you're, and, and you back find up, out about her at this up. guy's house kneeling down in front of a foot deep of skin bags.
1: Yeah, okay, okay. So, okay, uh, back to my story. <laughs> yes. you quit interrupting me. I'm
0: not interrupting. <laughs> so, I'm
1: not. <laughs> so we're, we're going through the magazines and we keep seeing Betty Page. And it's spelled differently, frequently. Uh... But she has no problem. You know, my name is Dolores, but when I post for Skin Mags, I'm flower. (laughs) No, I bet you didn't give a shit. She was very, very open about her nudity. Now, because of what the public thought of her for doing that, she was ashamed. But she was never ashamed of her nakedness. Uh Uh-huh. More than once I heard her say, well, you know, Adam and Eve were bone naked, so I don't see a problem with it. Like, like, rock on, Betty. Yeah. So, she's in psychotherapy. (laughs) You know, okay, these are all, like, stories I've never told anybody, okay? Spending a lot of money in psychotherapy. Well, because she was molested as a child. And she met Armand. Ar- Armand. Armand. I can't remember the guy's last name. Key West. She's in Florida. Uh huh. She loves Florida. So she's, you know, at the southernmost point of the uh, United States. And she's got a camera. Walterson. Armand Walterson. And she sees this young guy. She says, "Would you take a picture of me on the, on you know, at the end of America?" <laughs> wow, talk about foreshadowing. <laughs> so I took a picture of her, and she said, "It was terrible picture. It was very blurry."
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm photographing Betty Page. You know, I probably use a tripod. Probably. And because he was like, I don't know, like 12 years younger than her. Uh, okay, there's this thing where when uh, women are uh, molested as children, they can't be with men older than they are. So they gravitate to men younger than they are, typically a decade. Uh huh. So this is the reasoning why, and you know, Armin Walterson was not the brightest bulb in the pack. I wonder why she keeps being attracted to this type. Anyway, point being, uh, she'd go back once in a while and see him, and it became an obsession with her. And her psychotherapist says, look, you're not going to be able to do anything until you resolve this thing with Armand. So, and she said, you know, I was 33, I was pretty much done with modeling, and uh, they were gonna tear my apartment building down, and uh, my psychotherapist said I should go resolve the thing with I'm in Walterson, so I moved back to Florida. <laughs> and married the guy. Nice to see Betty, so like, what'd you have in common? Well, really nothing. <laughs> He just liked to eat hamburgers every night and watch television. So anyway, um, they had a big fight on New Year's Eve because she wanted to go out dancing. And he wanted to have a hamburger and watch television, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So she's all broken up. They have a big fight, and she goes and finds a church. you know, in the distance, I could see a a cross. And she went in and, you know, New Year's uh, church services. And and here we go again. I can't remember the preacher's name. Reverend. I can't remember. Anyway, so she says, I went in church. I went in the church, (laughs) put my back to the wall. And wept. <laughs> it was, you can't make this shit up. These are great stories. And at that moment, I gave myself to the Lord. Which, you know, is mistaken frequently. Is like, oh, and then she turned to God. No, she was always a very religious woman. Always. Always close to Jesus. Uh, anyway, uh, well, anyway.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I tracked down the reverend. He's still preaching at that church. I, ran, I wrote him a nice letter, sent him a nice picture of Patty, because, you know, he's a preacher. You know I Sent a split beaver picture
3: to a preacher. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I didn't remember this woman can writes back, he says, I have, I have no memory of her at all. Well, all right, dead end. And it, 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 it happened all the time, We're doing the Betty Pages. You know, you track down somebody that, like, allegedly knew her. Like, no, I don't remember at all. Uh, Steve Allen had her on her, uh, had her on a show. I don't know if it was a t- Tonight Show. Or... He says, and he wrote me back. He says, no, I have no memory of her. Huh. Man, I wish that Steve Allen would have had a great story. <laughs> would have made the whole thing more interesting.
0: Well, when did you decide to do the Betty Pages?
1: You didn't let me finish my story.
0: Well, I was going to, but then you started. Uh,
1: <laughs> so, Betty Page is always. Betty Page, and in the ads in the back, it's like photos of Tempest Storm, movie star news, uh, photos of Betty Page. Okay, if they're selling them by their name in the advertising section, that's their real name. Well, at least their working name. So that's how I discovered Betty Page. And you know what, Honeybee? Gosh, made me feel creepy.
3: Whoo! God. <laughs>
1: Too much mascara, I think. But Betty always made you feel good.
0: Had that smile.
1: Uh, that was engaging. Uh, there's nothing scary about Betty. Man, some of the women that were posing for the men's magazines in the 50s, whew, you need to do something about those split ends. You know, that hair is like really scary.
0: Yeah, some of them were real severe looking and kind of beat up looking. Um yeah, I
1: I like to call it harsh. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, harsh is a good is a good term for it. Um
1: Wow, prostitutes.
0: Well, Tempest Storm. Hey,
3: it was not a prostitute.
0: I like Tempest Storm a lot, but she's kind of intimidating looking, you know? Uh
1: and, you know, that might be part of the uh, attraction for some
3: men.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially back then when it was so much more, you know, mysterious. There weren't this strip club on every corner. And a lot of these films that they were in, particularly Stripperama and Teaserama, were basically a strip club for a town that didn't have a burlesque house.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, I could see that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, if you got a car, there's a burlesque house somewhere in town. There's a strip club somewhere in town.
0: Oh, I'm talking about little towns in Kansas that don't, they just have one. They didn't movie. play
1: there. The censors well, wouldn't let it.
0: Movie theater. Oh, they, no. they, they you know
1: what they did? Yeah, they cut it down, and all that was left was the titles and the end credits.
0: No, <laughs> they the, the leave the burlesque part, the Joey Tata scenes in, you know, the crappy oh burlesque. The crappy, the, the crappy, you know,
1: the
0: crappy well, it's burlesque.
1: Fascinating. To get this like last gasp glimpse of burlesque, this is what it's come to.
0: Yeah, well, I mean that's actually one of the more interesting things because the the stripping isn't all that that entertaining by today's standards. Um, but but uh, seriously, there were a lot of towns that had just the one movie theater that on a certain night of the week, that was the evil night when they would show you know <laughs> stuff that you shouldn't be able to see. And films. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw actually a, a really interesting article from one of the magazines back then where they showed all of the different, they took one girl, it might have been Betty, uh, and showed what was allowable in all the states.
1: Yes, yes, yes. I, I ran that in the Betty pages.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's probably where I saw it. It's probably where I saw it.
1: How much, how much you can reveal. Mm-hmm. And it must have driven uh, the creators mad. Like, oh yeah. We we have to fit the standards. I don't know how many states there were at that point of all of these states and we'll expand Boston.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh
0: So you're aware of Betty Page?
1: Yeah, so uh, yeah, um I could see that Illustration was coming to a slow death in '87. I'd been illustrating for at least fifteen years. Mort Kunstler. I don't know if you know who that painter is. Huh? He's one of these guys that can like dash it down. And yet it still looks like a, a real picture. Uh, yeah. Boats, Kunstler is well known for boats. So anyway, I'm up at Berkeley, bringing my new job in. And uh, the art director and this guy with the portfolio are coming out of the office, art director's office. He says, oh Greg, you know Mort Künstler? Like Mort Künstler, I'm dropping to my knees. <laughs> Künstler, Künstler, Künstler. And, God, no. One of my heroes. And Künstler looks at the art director and says, do you have any other jobs? The art director says, not right now. <laughs> like, really? You don't have a job for Mark Künstler? If you have a job for me, I'm shocked. So I got out of publishing and into publishing. Got out of illustration and into publishing. Because at at that point, the direct market uh, was opening up. You you had uh, I don't know, five to maybe eight regional distributors who would you wouldn't have to go through anybody else but these five to eight guys. Diamond. That's where Diamond got its start. Uh-huh. We distribute to comic book stores, which are exploding right now. Like 8,000 comic book stores. Well, just because you like comics doesn't make you a good businessman. Right. Okay. Mm. But I had this uh, system already set up and waiting for me. You know, so I'm I, you know, look oh I'm, oh I'm looking for uh, uh, ideas, huh, projects, you know. <laughs> And my buddy uh, uh, God drawing a blank again. Jim. No. Joanne Durko. Yes. Had this wonderful collection of fifties uh, pop culture memorabilia. He says, you know who Betty Page is? The name sounds familiar. We're in his basement. And he says, you'll know her the instant you see her.
3: <laughs>
1: so he goes over and he pops open a black binder. And I'm like, of course. Oh, yeah, of course, Betty Page. yeah." I thought, you know what? I might as well do projects that I like. I mean, why not? But don't go overboard, okay? So I only printed 2,000 copies of it. And I, I printed it in a digest size so I get more bang for my printing buck. I don't know what this thing's going to do. So uh, instead of printing four pages, I'm printing eight pages. I'm cut down the middle and bind. Yeah, okay. And. The thing really didn't, my press really, multi list 1850, really didn't do color. You know, but I wanted something special. So I went out and bought some uh, ochre stock and then did an experiment with uh, white ink. Uh, Glenn Barr did the cover. Oh, yeah. And uh, sold out in a week. And I didn't realize until later. The psychology behind the size, okay? It's a skin magazine, okay? You can put it in your pocket, okay? So they kept it up by a cash register, so nobody would steal it. And the last-minute purchase, it's the last thing. Well, that will be $15. How much is this? Five. Okay, I'll take that, too. By its very nature, its size made it sell. Because it's always at the front desk. What is this? Thirty Pages 2. Oh, yeah, yeah. I found the last one sold. Oh, uh, uh, well, yeah, I friendly comic book dealer. Yeah, I found the last one sold out in a week.
0: <laughs> size made it so. different, too. I mean, it you know made it... Unique. It made it, you know, it wasn't intimate. like everything. It was intimate. It was so cool that it was a smaller, more, you know, it felt more, intimate. more crafted. Yes, intimate.
1: Hey, and, and that was a kind of like a well, part of the you know the deal was uh, some of the things we were shooting from from Joe's collection were digest size. And if you blew them up to eight and a half by eleven, they
0: look like crap.
1: Oh yes. Oh, yeah. we tried some experiments with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, anytime you want another impression, let me know.
0: No, no. The, the let's let's stick with Jimmy Stewart. That's who you're oh, doing, right? Oh, oh, well, all right. Um. <laughs> uh, so, when did you you start doing this thing in '87? And it, huh. it kind of starts taking off right away. And, and,
3: yeah, the first week.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and and I, I imagine you found there was probably a little more of a Betty underground than you knew, and then that started to grow uh, from the magazine, right?
1: Yeah, well, oh, yeah, well, I just, uh, I hit, I it was a real good spot to hit. <laughs> no, it was the perfect time. Rockabilly, they love Betty. Oh yeah. Goth? They love Betty. Horror? Yeah, I guess I love Betty Pin up. They love Betty.
0: Tattoos it was just a, strippers. They love yeah, Betty. Yeah, it, it was
1: just a it was just the perfect uh time. There were like five audiences ready for this. And, you know, people who like leather. People who like shoes. People will, like, take your pick. Yeah. Vintage.
0: Fishnet. Yeah. So, and it
1: will never happen again. And Betty said to me, uh, I've never known a case of this in my life where somebody did their work in a previous decade and then became popular for it in a succeeding decade.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, when did you start getting the idea of contacting her? Did you try to contact Never. her right off the bat? Did she contact no, no, you?
1: No, no. Okay. Oh no! And there was this. Bunny Ager had tried to contact her about doing a book, and took out a uh, uh, an ad in the Miami Herald. Man, talk about a shot in the dark, Petty Page. If you read this. Rip. What are the odds? So, her husband, Harry Lear, living in Miami, she's an electrician. He's reading the newspaper. (laughs) He says, Betty, I think you should come over here and look at this. And Betty called Bunny And Betty uh, said, uh, I found God, and I'm not really interested in any of that part of my life. So based on that, it's like, well, okay, don't. Because, you know, leave the poor woman alone.
3: Right,
0: respect her wishes.
1: Yeah, I don't want to be remembered as the guy that tracked her down like a bloodhound. Mm. So. And so, uh, over and above that, I won't contact your family either. Okay? Mm-hmm. I'm working on the handicap here. Big one. But, I don't know, it's fun. I'm having a good time researching this thing. Oh, and you know what's cool? Uh, almost nobody had researched this period of sexuality in America, in the 1950s, almost nobody. Really, man, I'm here on virgin ground.
2: So to nobody speak. Nobody
1: talked to these people. They were, typically, they were shocked that anybody cared. Really, well, what the hell would you care? I used to do burlesque blitzkack. Why would you care? <laughs> no, you were there. You're a witness. Look, even if your axe sunk, you're a witness, okay?
0: You were part of it.
1: Yeah, tell me what it was like. Oh, uh, the, yeah, the toilet was always busted. Every goddamn time, the <laughs> toilet was busted. <laughs> All right, well, uh-huh. not what I was looking for, but it certainly had flavor.
0: Yes, it, it depicts the era. With great clarity. And if the
1: sink was like Never hot water. Never hot water. Okay. Slow down. Never hot water. Yes, go on.
0: It's just a litany of workplace bitches. Well uh
1: <laughs> Grey towels. The towels were always gray. <laughs> you wonder why I got out of burlesque.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you had to have contacted her, somebody had to have gotten you together at some point. Well,
1: oh, and man, the journey. Whew. You're talking to these people. It's like, oh, yeah, but it was really good and bad. <laughs> okay. Richard R. one of the top designers of the uh, maybe 20th century. Cars and watches, and no, there's a couple of books on the guy. And he was going to divorce his wife because it wasn't working out. But he had been baiting, dad, baiting daddy.
3: <laughs> He'd
1: been baiting Betty. <laughs> and he thought, well, I don't know, maybe I should give it one last, you know, because I wanted to marry her. I should give it one last thing with, you know, my, my with my wife. And he says, you know, when that didn't work out, I came back just drop in see your other building. The building was gone. (laughs) As Betty, you know, foretold.
0: It burned down.
1: No, it didn't burn. They tore it down.
0: Oh, they tore it down.
1: And the next two, three. And, uh, (laughs) wait a minute. (laughs) You
0: got a weather alert in your area?
1: No, apparently i have just been kidnapped.
0: Oh, an amber alert.
1: Holy focus, because, you know, I'm here in my... Wait a minute. I'm in a trunk. He yeah, went back, and I was like, it's gone. And man, metaphorically speaking, I'll tear your heart out.
0: Yeah, well. will.
1: Not only is she gone everything that you remember about her at this space is gone.
0: Yeah, that's... That's gone. What do you think... And, uh,
1: you know, what's interesting. I, I, I went down to, like, you know, it's, it's 40... I used to live on 45th Street. She lived on 46th Street. Just the other side of 5th Avenue. And, you know, I... uh. I went over Movie Star News. I'm talking to Paula because you know it's my first link to Betty Page. She says, "Wait a minute! I think I got a." <laughs> He's New Yorkers. I think I got a model release. <laughs> so she brings it out the mimeograph model release, and Betty's immaculate handwriting. God, it's like perfect. And there's her address, and there's the way she signs her name. And now I'm already in issue two with Betty Pages. I can't change the title. No. Yeah, but the point being, I'm investigating her professional career, I mean, a little bit of her personal life. I don't know. It just seemed nicer. You know? If if you want a little distance from the public, it's B E T T Y. Sure Oh, and it came to this point where, like issue five, now the thing is a worldwide fad.
3: Uh-huh. I'm
1: getting letters from people in uh Madrid okay they're gonna write to me from Madrid after writing English <laughs> <laughs> and my uh well my, my office was my home address eighty eight lex. And every once in a while, like out of nowhere, you know, the doorbell would ring. Uh uh two E, apartment two E. And you're like, Yes. <laughs> the guy the front door would say Betty Page Betty Page fantasy you <laughs> <laughs> like All right, send him up. <laughs>
0: Was she happy with you doing the magazine, or did she have an opinion on it? Yeah, very
1: much. Well, yeah, are you kidding?
0: So she saw the copies of it and was aware of it.
1: Well, it finally came to this point about the time I put out the first annual that I sent Jack, contacted Jack. Oh, because uh, Lifestyles and Rich and Famous had contacted him, and he didn't seem to have any trouble talking about it i like, all right, well, all right. So I sent him a buttload of books for him and her. And it's late November, 91. And I got a Christmas card from her. It's very sweet. In her, in her trademark, Peacock Blue, ink, <laughs> Handwritten. She always hand-wrote. Nice handwriting, too. Yeah, well, Teacher. And so that's about the time. And she wrote me and said, uh, feel free to call me. Like, whoa, all right. It's a big change of mind. Uh Uh-huh. So I called her and, you know, got got a bunch of really nice interviews with her. Was she cautious? (laughs) (laughs) When the second annual came out, she said, I didn't know this would be an interview. I thought you were going to write another piece about me. I said, Betty, if I didn't immediately come up with an interview with you, they'd come out and lynch me, okay? So it's like a a 64-page interview.
0: Wow. Was she caught? Was she cautious when you first started talking never. to her? Was she?
1: Betty it, bet it was never cautious. I, I uh, wow, well, you know, I would call her up uh, Sunday nights. Oh. I'd call her up on Sunday nights. Okay, uh, ten my time, seven her time, just after dinner. You know, about a year and a half. Call her up every Sunday night and just chat. I call her once, and She says, Greg, how's your love life?
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, Betty, what are you like, 78 or something? Yeah. Love life? Why would that even be in your mind?
0: I understand she was very, um, concerned about having her picture taken later in life. And she really wanted people to remember her from her modeling yeah. days.
1: Yeah. She told me that a lot. I said, Betty, Am I ever going to get to meet you? And she says, "No, Greg, you're my biggest fan. You'd be most
3: disappointed."
1: (laughs) And I said, "Okay, if I can find a bigger fan than me, can I meet you?" (laughs) Here's a funny story: the day I never met Betty Page. Okay, so uh, okay, I'm in, I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah. On my way to either coming back from the San Diego Con or going to it. I don't know. You fly in L.A., grab a rental car, uh, drive up and collect the Kirbys, Julie Schwartz, and, you know, head south. And so anyway, nice car. A really nice car. I got a suit on. God knows why. You know, it's the end of August. It's 97 degrees. Fucking hot. And you know, uh, i well, you know all as uh, as her biographer. Okay, she doesn't want to meet me, but I should at least go see the house that she's living in. And I've got you know a address in my pocket and a piece of paper. I look at it. Okay, right street. Uh, make a right. Uh well, on the other hand, all the numbers here are, are kind of low. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like three thirty-six, and Patty's house is like two forty-nine-six. Like, okay, but I'm on the right street, heading in the right direction, and the neighborhood doesn't look too bad. Uh huh. It looks like all right, and the further I drive. Uh, further, I, uh, yeah, I de- Further, I drive. <laughs> Starts looking not so good.
0: The socioeconomic indicators begin to change.
1: We used to call it redlining in Detroit, but whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like now it's starting to look really, really bad. And the streets about to run out. You know, in a half a mile. There are no more houses. All there is are purple mountains in the <laughs> in the distance. Like maybe I overshot my mark. And I take the paper out. Like no, that's still ahead. And I look, you know, and right in front of me is a flower store. Like perfect, perfect, a flower store in your neighborhood. Yeah, you know, oh, i go in. I said, oh, I'd like to set up an account. And the Hispanic hobbit behind the counter says, No habla inglés. <laughs> oh, I, oh it's, apparently it's going to be difficult. And so from a red curtain flashes open, and her hobbit husband comes to the desk, and I say, Habla, Inglés. He says, no Hobla Inglés. Oh, oh boy. Okay, so, all right, now, it's going to be difficult. And at that very moment, a 10-year-old girl opens the front door and steps in. And I said, Habla, Inglés. And she says, of course, I go (laughs) to school in (laughs) America. Okay, I need your help. So we set up an account so that, you know, her birthday, Christmas, whatever, Easter. Who cares? Who cares? uh, Yeah, send her, you know, send her flowers. So we set up this account. And, you know, I'm there. So it's like, well, all right, give me a dozen white roses. So that done I continued driving and I get to pretty much the end like this must be the end there are no more big numbers after this I pull a paper out of my pocket I'm like, okay. and none of the houses are marked and all of the roofs need re-roofing and you might want to paint that car Okay. <laughs> it's one of those neighborhoods where you you don't want to show up in a new car suit with a dozen roses. <laughs> 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 and it's hot. It's fucking hot. It's ninety-seven degrees. So I pull the car over and I, I step out and, and you know I'm looking around for a street address. And directly across the street is a ranch house, uh, pine, one story level, painted pine color, and a huge oak tree in the front lawn. And the house is like, it's not like up on the street, but like a many steps back. And there's this gigantic whale of a black woman in a lawn chair under the oak tree, trying to catch a breeze, I suppose. And she sees me, and she says, What you want is down the alley. She <laughs> says, What? She repeats. What you want is down the alley. And I said, sure enough, there's an alley to my immediate left. <laughs> and you know, I don't, I hope... It's not a setup. I hope they're not a bunch of thugs gonna, like, rob me. You know, I'm going with it, whatever. <laughs> so I walk down the alley, I'm like 20 steps in there, it makes a hard left. And I look down the left, it's just the backs of garages in a very California-like style. No garbage cans, nothing. And I look to my right, and it's a backyard. And there's an airstream trailer in the back parked in the backyard. Like, really? Betty Page is living in an airstream trailer in a backyard. And all of a sudden, a couple of little black kids come bouncing out the back door. I say, Hey, anybody live there? Ain't nobody live there. I think could, because I can't hear an air conditioner and the front doorknob is a rope, <laughs> okay? So, good. So i walk back out to the street, and the big black woman in the chair says, What you water
3: down the alley?
1: <laughs> and he, all right. Hot. It's really hot. And I take the paper out. That's the house I want. You know, so I look both ways like my mom taught me uh-huh. across the street. Does Betty Page live here? She says, you the flower man? I, well, in a manner of speaking, yes. I'll go get him. I, no, 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 She, I'm, she said... She didn't want to meet me. But please give her these and tell her that Greg loves her. So she's she's, uh, sidling her enormous girth (laughs) off of this lounge. I'm heading off the property. Quick step. Get back in the car. Turn it on. Watch the big fat lady waddle in the house. (laughs) And then about about a minute later, the Venetian blinds open, and I see a pair of blue eyes. And that's as close as I ever got to Betty Page. Wow. Ah, cool story. Oh, yeah. Even better than meeting her. <laughs>
0: well, well, what do you think her lasting sort of legacy is? I mean, what, what... And how did she view her own image in terms of, you know, the way it affected other people?
1: Uh, that you can uh, just be you. And that may inspire somebody. Yeah, I mean, just... You know what? I, 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 it comes down to this. Don't hide. Okay. And in the 1950s, for Betty Page to be doing what she was doing, she absolutely was not hiding. No. It's like take it or leave it. Blasting. Hmm. Well, certainly the idea that women dress provocatively and not be a slut
0: I think it's it's kind of staggering if you just look at popular television how many characters on TV have an element of Betty Page in, in their personality, their appearance, their makeup, their behavior I mean, there's a chick on uh, NCIS.
1: Chick? Did you just say chick? Yeah, I did. What, are you fucking Frank Sinatra?
0: (laughs) I say chick all the time. Um, There's a girl on uh, NCIS that's so... Exactly. That's who I'm talking about. And she's so gothy, Betty Page banged. Uh, the shoe, the whole nine yards, you know, and then she, she's not the only one. I mean, there's there's at least ten of them if you watch enough shows. That are you know uh, they're not they're not ever saying it, but they are they are. And you know
1: what's cool? You know what's cool? I'd be walking down the street in New York City, see a woman with black bangs. I'll be walking down the street in uh, L.A., see a woman with black bangs, and no. That I had something to do with that. No, 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 no. If I hadn't done the Betty Page's, you wouldn't be dressing this style. And you know what's cool? It's like some woman will see a woman wearing black bangs and think, wow, that's a good look. I should do that for myself and not even know who Betty Page is.
0: Exactly. That's the thing I was getting at with all these people on the television is that. They've either picked it up or whatever, and even if even if the people that are putting it on television know the whole you know iteration of it, the folks at home don't. The actress who plays her might not, uh, and it's just out there now. It's just an assumed part of the culture that when she first did it, was like wow, you know, and it was part of this this. Uh, well, when
1: she first did it, it was hidden.
0: That's that's what I'm saying. It was part of this underground sort of hush-hush, let's-not-talk-about-it thing. And and by definition then, when it started to make its way into the mainstream, it was a bit shocking. It was a bit taboo. It was a bit... And then you contrast that with her sort of, you know, ivory soap, good looks, beaming cherubic smile, wicked behind-the-face plate whole thing. I mean, it just, uh, you know... Okay, absolute serendipity.
1: Uh, And man, uh, I got some beef with a lot of people about the Betty Page story. I really do. Number one, Playboy. (laughs) The. That's fiction editor. Yeah, fiction editor, I guess. Calls me up. Can I interview you we'll want to do peace on Betty Page? Peace on Betty Page and Playboy? Hell yes. it would be good for me. So she came over and interviewed me for what was supposed to be four hours. Turned into, I think, six. And she calls me back. And says, you know what, I really don't think I'm, I'm done with this story. Can I come back and interview some more? I said, yeah, and by the way, remember, at the end of the piece, you've got to put where you, where you can get subscriptions to the Betty Pages, okay? 88 lakhs, 2 e subscriptions. So she comes back and she does like another six hours with me. And so the, the you know it hits the stands in December. And I go, I actually went out and bought a copy. And it, it's like Betty Page and me by Buck Henry. Buck Henry. Say, what? I read the thing. I'm like, why didn't anybody ever ask me about Betty Page? I had all of the answers all along. Like, what? And I'm not quoted once in that entire 16 page piece. 16 pages? Playboy doesn't do 16 pages on anybody or anything. And I supplied them. With 16 pages of copy, everything that I knew about Betty Page as told by Buck Henry. Excuse me, what? what? And it goes on. It's like this thing just goes on and on. It's i like, no, this is years of reference and research and picking up leads. And, and all of a sudden, Buck Henry is the expert on Betty Page. And I'm not quoted once. And they didn't put my subscription thing in. That's my number one beef. Would you like me to go down the list?
0: Well, it's really up to you. Um, if that—that that was a pretty good beef, really. Um, what's your lasting takeaway from Betty?
1: When I first met her, I said, Betty, what do you think? I mean, what do you think about life? She says, Greg, it's like I'm watching a parade from the sidewalk. (laughs) And one of her final words to me were, so, so how did, you know, how did the whole thing work out for you? And Betty says, Greg. I used to be ashamed of what I did, but I'm not anymore. So what do I take away from this? I redeem fucking Betty Page, okay? I, quit. I would have done that for free. Man, everybody thought I was making money hand over fist on that thing. Not really. I mean, when you divide it all up and like, no, that's... Not a lot of money. But I was dedicated to it. I was dedicated to the magazine. You know, I could have cranked them out every two months. It's more of the same. No, no, no. It's like a it's like a Woody Allen movie. You gotta wait for it. I mean at one time. A Woody Allen won't do interviews. See, you want a Woody Allen interview. The new issue isn't out. The new Betty Page is in yet. No. Oh, it creates uh, the kind of buying anxiety that you like.
0: Anticipation.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Sorry, man. We're sold out. You should have gotten here earlier. Fuck. Oh, and the reorders on the Betty Pages, unbelievable.
0: Well, mine are cherished. I, I, I keep them in a very special place and, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I know, I remember I got like the first five to seven issues all at once from you. Just bam. Here you go. Oh, yeah, man. Seems like an overdose. <laughs> no, no, it was, it was welcome in the, uh, the end. Hey,
1: angu- you know, it was cool. It was cool. Uh, you yeah, know, I was just doing this thing because I like to do it. He <laughs> became my ambassador. Uh, I'm out in L.A., I don't know, for some reason, seeing Howard Chaikin at Universal, Paramount, I can't remember. He today you want to go to the back lot and see him filming? They're filming The Flash. Like <laughs> the old flash, okay, yeah, I said, hell, yes, oh, and this is the uh the day we uh, i say uh, the sand war, the uh, you know the...
0: yeah, this is the day I met you,
1: yes, yes, and a loud explosion, and Howard, who thinks America's being attacked, <laughs> it's the dirt. <laughs> It really, he, he fell to the driveway. He fell, jumped, he jumped. So, we continue walking. He's a little, you know, because we're at war and, what is it, the oil war? It
0: was the first Iraq war, it was the Gulf War, the desert war.
1: Gulf War, the desert war, yeah. Well, sand war, it was close. So we go back and, uh, you know, a couple of cameras and sound guys and, a burning car. <laughs> and Howard says, I saw my friend Greg Sexton. Greg Sexton, the Betty Pages, I have all of them. <laughs> well, I was about to be impressed by you.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it happened like that all of the time. Greg Sexton, the Betty Pages? Fairly, <laughs> my ambassador has already been here.
2: Ah, who can forget the thrill of seeing the timeless classic, Gone with the Wind. But how many of us have seen the rarely shown prequel to that film, Gone with the Slight Breeze? Through an exclusive arrangement with the major film companies, the Tom Gully Show podcast is able to bring you the prequels to some of the greatest films of all time. In this special collection, you'll see prequels like... To slightly injure a mockingbird, some like it lukewarm, raiders of the easy-to-find ark, room-temperature hand Luke, dance lessons with wolves, the noisiness of the lambs, an American werewolf at LaGuardia, twelve mildly disgruntled men, and the Texas weed-eater massacre, the Hollywood classic prequel collection. It's just one of the incredible benefits of listening to the Tom Gully Show podcast. Remember, this special offer won't last forever. So act now and get a free ice crusher.
0: to thank Greg Theakston as always check him out on Facebook it's always a festival on Greg Theakston's Facebook page we'd also like to thank all those Betty Page fans out there uh, who've kept Betty alive all these years even if you didn't know you were doing it Uh, particularly girls who dress up like Betty especially them Folks, we'd really appreciate it if you'd share this on your various Facebook pages. Trying to spread the word means trying to spread our little show here. We'd appreciate it if you'd like the Tom Gully Show. Not me, but the show on Facebook, too, if the mood strikes you. And, of course, there's always the TomGullyShow.com. By the way, if you go to the mobile version, go to the very bottom where it says to view the website version. The website version's so much more robust and flavorful. And that's also where you can find everything there is to find about the show. There's the Tom Gully Show store. And we always encourage you to subscribe on iTunes for free. Because if it's free, it, of course, is for me. Follow us on Twitter at AtomicPalooka2. That's AtomicPalooka. As well, So I can increase my clout and cred ratings because if I get enough points, we're all going to go to the aces. That'll do it for tonight. I'm out of here. I got to go talk to some people. I'll talk to you much later. Each night, Jay Johnson brings us in with the truth wagon. Go to JayJohnsonMusic.com. Buy everything that's there. And each night, the Hitman Blues Band takes us out with Catch-22 Blues. Go to HitmanBluesBand.com or HitmanBluesBand.net. That's going to do it for tonight. We will see you next time.
3: Can't
1: lift a twig for a dog that's nothing big, but he don't want to. And the dog can't grab a cat or a cool can do all that, but he don't want to. And I dream of you at night while you hold your baby tight, but he don't want you.
3: You can see it in his eyes from the way he tells you lies.